Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Elenia, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Hi, welcome to another episode of Fun is Fundamental. I decided to take on uh, this topic of romantic relationships depicted in media, and I, I, this might have to be more than one part because it's there, I have so many ideas and thoughts, and it's just like it's kind of overwhelming and too much. So um, bear with me that this is either going to be a too long episode or it's going to be have to be end up being two episodes because wow there's just so much to unpack here and you know about the pressures that we're all under to have these romantic relationships that are not based in reality (laughs) you know we you know, from a very young age, we are just bombarded with these ideas of like what love is supposed to be. And anyone that's been in a long-term relationship can just, can definitely tell you that it's just not the reality generally. When you think of love and romance, you know, so often we're thinking of, you know, these epic couples you know we think of Romeo and Juliet of course it's like they've hit me and you know Jack and Rose from Titanic and Rick and Ilsa from Casablanca and uh, Elizabeth Bennett and Mr. Darcy and Harry Harry and Sally and it's you know these are all filled with these grand gestures grand romantic gestures and you know it's all like elaborate marriage proposals and running across the town to tell someone that you love them and kissing in the rain and all that you know all this stuff and it's just like you know one I don't want that much drama in my life two I don't need someone to shout it from the mountaintop you know there's (laughs) this idea that like it's like you have to prove yourself you have to prove that you love someone like the man has to chase the woman and and prove himself you know and it's like most of the time it's it's these you know small moments and these small gestures that make a relationship you know but yet when I when I hear In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel, I think of John Cusack. You know, I think of him holding up that boombox to let Ione Sky know how much he loves her. <laughs> you know, and it's just like it. You know, I always, you know, I've been in a relationship for eight years and I've obviously moved past my romanticism of you know, my high school (laughs) era me, but it took, you know, it took time. I kept, 
I can't, I was like so unlucky in love for basically most of my life. You know, I would just have like these relationships that would last like three months and then they'd be over and, and I'd be like, why doesn't anyone love me? You know? And I felt bad about myself because like, it was just like, I didn't have someone, you know, like how many Valentine's day did I just mope and feel like nobody loves me. No one's ever going to love me. I'm not lovable, you know? And it became like this big deal. And like, and I, and I wanted to like change my body and who I was because of this feeling that I was inferior and unworthy of love. And my relationship with Casey is by far the longest relationship I've ever had. And it's one of those things where it's like, if we ever broke up, I know that I would be devastated. I love him. You know, I married him for a reason, even though we're like, we're very different people. It's not an obvious, oh, we have all these things in common. It's not like that. And a lot of relationships are not. And so I definitely would be devastated and I definitely would listen to like these sad songs. I can't live if living is without you. I mean, that's classic codependency and really just like this defeatist idea that like you're incomplete without someone and that you're just going to shrivel up and die alone, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's just like the so much pressure, you know, I will be devastated and, or I would, let's, let's say it, say it like it's not going to happen, but just, it could, you know, kind of thing. I would be devastated <laughs> and I'd, you know, I'd probably listen to that song and I listen to things like Jolene and things like that, you know, when I cry myself to sleep, <laughs> but I'm no longer the teenage girl that feels like she's not a complete person because she doesn't have someone. And so sooner or later, you know, I'd start playing, I will survive, you know, (laughs) Gloria Gator. And I would, you know, I would heal. It might take time because, you know, you can't be in a relationship with someone for at this point, eight years and not, hurt but you can't have the good without out the bad so you know you have to be willing to hurt if you want love and companionship you have to know that someday you might hurt one of you is gonna hurt for sure even if you your marriage lasts for the rest of your life one day one of you is gonna die so no matter what you're gonna hurt but it's okay. And it's so, it's so worth it to like have someone to share your life with, but it's just not what the media likes to portray it as. It's kind of like, you know, this idea of when you, if you want to become an expert at something, which we can talk about expertise and you know the idea of expertise and if there's ever like a way to become better you know right even then like the best right I don't know because a lot of experts will even say like yeah I can I'm still learning you know so 
because the world's amazing and you're constantly going to learn, right? My point is there's like this term, you know, this idea that you have to take like 10,000 unsexy steps. And your a relationship is all of these unsexy tasks, you know, of that you have to do every day. And you're going to see someone at their worst. Someone when they're sick and like <laughs> snots like just coming out of their nose. And you're going to see them when they're just like angry and they just, they're not being their best selves and they're, you know, crying and shouting and, and, and you have like all of the things that you do to like survive as a human being every day. Like we're gross, we're smelly and we're boring and mundane. You know, how much time do you spend if you're in a relationship or even if you're single cooking and cleaning and grocery shopping? And if you have kids, just add to that, you know? You have shitty diapers, <laughs> temper tantrums, and some, you know, some kid waking you up in the middle of the night because they had a bad dream. And, you know, it's just like, you know, there's a statistic that 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's, that's not, that's not a true statistic. It's far lower, but we still have quite a high divorce rate in the United States. And... I think there's a lot to blame on romantic media, romantic comedies and romantic dramas and romantic songs. And because you have this expectation because in these romantic movies, you know, it's like the chase, you know, and like that, this idea that, this man, in this case, this man is going to have to chase you for the rest of your life for you to feel, feel the love, you know, which is not realistic. And so, you know, what happens after, after the chase, right? And then, you know, there's a lot of like these ideas of like, oh, well, that's not romantic. So let's not talk about that. You know, like, money in early on in a relationship people don't want to talk about money because it's not romantic people like really like kind of hate the idea of someone ha like having a um a prenup because it's not romantic like how dare you be practical when you're in love you know like they can't go together but guess what to build a long-lasting relationship with what someone, practicality is how you keep it keep it together. That's how you build a life together. And this idea that like to be practical is unromantic, is unsexy, is like you don't want it. It's un no passion there because it's practical. You know that you have like everything has to be passionate, everything has to be sexy, everything has to be romantic. It's not real and I you know I love this morning I was watching Colin Firth as 
in 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 Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> you know, watching it. I love I love Pride and Prejudice. I have read Pride and Prejudice multiple times. I've read it more than almost any book. I love it. But I know it's not true. I know it's not real. I mean, Jane Austen, you know, never married. And so do a lot of other people. But it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. You know, obviously, in 19th century England, I'm sure people did think there was something wrong with her. That's not okay to not become a wife and a mother. And I feel really lucky in some ways. <laughs> I mean, I feel lucky <laughs> to not be living in 19th century England. But <laughs> I'm saying, like, obviously there's no time period that's perfect. There's problems with our time period of love and romance. That's why I'm talking about this right now. But I we live in a time when it's okay for you to date yourself, you know? It's like... Yeah. Love on yourself. Take care of yourself. Self-love. Self-care. You're a badass. <laughs> you can do, you know, like this idea that like you can be you, you know, mental health and all that stuff. And, and that you don't need to be in a relationship. You don't need to get married and be a wife. You don't need to be a mother. I appreciate to live in a time and a place where I can make that choice. That it's not just like, this is the only path to a fulfilling, full life. We have this idea that like love is, has always been like this. You know, this is, this is what love is. And this is, but you know, our idea of love now it's only like a couple of hundred years old. You know, in the late 18th century, there was like this romanticism. And, you know, this idea of like, well, people started moving into the cities more. There was like this literature boom, this feeling of like a man, an individual, you know, it wasn't all about just, like, society and the family union, you know. Because, like, before it was love and marriage. Well, marriage was about property, money, safety, status, you know, land so that you could grow food, <laughs> making, making babies to work that land, and... You know, romanticism. Romeo and Juliet was not considered a good thing. It was the dangers of romantic love. Like, it's not, you know, it's, we, we have, have made it into like this, oh, dying for love is the most romantic thing, you know? But it was like, these fucking crazy teenagers what's wrong with them <laughs> back when it was written <laughs> you know it's it's just in the last couple of hundred years that like people actually got to choose their partners and got married for love 
and in like in England they would like run off to Scotland and get married you know like there's like this like big big to do about people doing that you know and you know so marriage was about parents being like hey let's unite our families with the marriage of our two children okay you know and that's just what it was and then like you know if you had money you could afford to have a mistress the kings always had mistresses and that that was what was love was supposed to be right it's not the uniting of people of power right you know and now we are a society that even though like we have this hustle culture generally you know like not living on a farm we generally like you know can take don't have to take home our work and we have you know relative amount of leisure time and and safety like you know there's a lot of money that's been made with people's leisure time building a society that has things like supermarkets it's like whoa we're like so pampered so, like, we have all this extra time to think about love, you know. I don't know. There's a lot of, like, problematic things, you know, with, like, this idea of acts that we're expected to do for the one we love. You know, like, it's considered chivalrous to, like, have fights you got to defend her honor and this idea that to show a woman you love her you have to buy her an expensive ring which was just created by a jewelry company De Beers the engagement ring a diamond is forever this was their campaign from 1948 and it you know reminds me of like Don Draper, you know, has like this famous thing where he talks about like the idea that you have of love is just something that guys like me made up. And this is a prime example of people wanting to make money. And so they just convinced us all that in order to show that the woman that you want to marry, that you love her, you have to buy, you have to spend two to three months of your salary on an engagement ring. What? Americans have an average of over $90,000 in debt. And yet, this is how we want to start our romantic relationship with someone. The light, we're going to build a life together. But first, I'm going to, a man has to shell out that much money so that he can prove that he loves her so much so that she can like be like, oh man, look, he loves me so much. Look how big my ring is and show it off on social media. And, and he has to go and do, you know, propose to her in public, you know, the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> the Eiffel Tower. I'm going to propose to you here, just like a bunch of other people do, because that's how I prove that I love you. <laughs> it's just so sad. Like how, why, why do we want to like, not be practical and you know when you're building a life together but instead we're going to put all this emphasis on a rock that is i i don't want to get into how awful the 
the toll that the diamond industry has taken on humans and the environment. <laughs> but we all know, but and we all just keep on ignoring it. <sighs> it's just, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit guilty because I do have like a couple of little diamonds on my wedding ring. So I'm not shitting on any of you that have a diamond diamond ring. It's just like we've just kind of been we've just fed into this stuff that we've been just this lie in a way because it's just people trying to make money off of us. So Valentine's Day <laughs> is another example. Weddings. Okay, Valentine's Day. People spend $22 billion with a B. Americans, sorry. Americans spend $22 billion every year on Valentine's Day. Don Draper's very happy. <laughs> and there's this idea that if you don't do these things, spend this money that it makes the other person mostly women you know it's usually it's men doing it spending the money the most that it will make her not love you or that she, you know she doesn't she doesn't feel loved I guess is is what it really is we're constantly having to prove our love over and over and over and it's not good enough for it to be in these small ways that we help each other and we contribute and we communicate and we show up every day that's not good enough you know it's not good enough in the eyes of romanticism in the media to simply say i love you Every time you leave the house, every night before you go to bed, that's not good enough. It's not enough to just cuddle on the couch and give your spouse a, massa a massage because they're achy or obviously people are realizing that it doesn't have to all be that more because like, you know, the five love languages has become like a you know, bestseller. And so people do recognize that not everyone's way of showing love is the same and that maybe it's good for us to do a little education about that maybe your your two love languages might be different, but that you can learn how to recognize the love language of your partner, right? There's hope, but, you know, we're also competing with this, age of technology, you know, social media and dating app, this feeling of like, I, how many people do you know that are feeling hopeless with find, you know, finding anyone because Tinder and stuff like that is like, so, you know, such this toxic thing where it's just about how you look, you know, you know, the diet industry, like I mentioned how I felt about myself in the past. And how, I mean, the diet industry just makes billions every year on our secure insecurities. They make billions every year on our insecurities. And how much of that is just like, 
because we want to feel attractive to, you know, people for love, you know, or, or how much of it is it with middle-aged women who don't feel like their husbands find them attractive anymore because they've put on some weight and like this idea that, yeah, you have to look a certain way to be worthy of love. Oh, there's so much to unpack. <laughs> then we have like these aspects of romanticism that are really kind of dark and disturbing. You know, that it's considered romantic to be like a stalker. I just, what kind of, what, what? The idea of soulmates is just setting us up for failure. There are 7.9 billion people. So let's just round, round up. There are 8 billion people in the world. Unless you believe in destiny, which means that you that therefore believe in some sort of higher power, no matter whatever you call, you know, the universe, God, or, you know, whatever. There's so many terms. The only way that there is a soulmate, well, I guess, first, automatically, I guess the word soulmate means you have a soul and therefore you, there is a higher power and there's no such thing as free will and it's just destiny. But there's, I feel like so, still so much problem with this idea of a soulmate because what happens ultimately you, you know, one of you, you know, one of them, one person might die, you know, and does that mean you're no longer complete as you walk this earth? It's just, you know, it's just sad to think of like, you are just half of a whole kind of thing. It just sets so many people up to feel incomplete. And you know, what happens if you don't, if you do believe in destiny and you don't find anyone does that mean god doesn't love you this all just sets people up to feel like shit <laughs> like one idea after another after another just is like why do we want to do that to ourselves and each other you know i think that's the thing we need to frame romance in the media as fiction you know as fantasy and it doesn't mean like love and romance doesn't exist in real life but this these ideas of what the media and literature and everything has set us up to believe of as this is what love is and this is, you know, ultimately what you're you're missing out on because it doesn't really exist in real world the way that we have been programmed to believe that it does. And that therefore maybe you're not really worthy of grand, great grand, you know, beautiful, big gestures, love, you know. But no matter where you are in your quest or or not quest or, 
you know, if you've had your heart broken or if you're still looking or you're in a relationship, but it's not what you see in the media, what you've been trained to believe is real love. You're, you're not alone. You are not defective. You are not unworthy. You know, you are awesome and you are human and you are deserving of existing and thriving in this world. No matter what, where you are, where you've been, you know, where you're going, the expectation that love is all like excitement and racing hearts and grand gestures and, and ignoring the other person's faults, like thinking that the other person's faults are cute. It's like, there's nothing wrong with accepting a person for who they are, but you don't have to just ignore the whole truth of what the other person is just so that you can love them. You know, you're allowed to love an imperfect person because you are an imperfect person and that imperfect, perfect person can love you for being an imperfect person. It's okay. <laughs> like we don't need to pretend that we're, that we're perfect or that our relationship is perfect. You don't have anything to prove to someone else about how your relationship is. 70% of couples break up within the first year. And, you know, obviously sometimes that's good because they're not actually compatible. But it's really because in the first year, people start to see who a person really is and not through romantic rose-colored glasses. A lot of people over and over and over don't make it past the point of seeing someone for who they really are because it's not romantic <laughs> it's possible you might be asking what does this have to do with fun because this <laughs> this hasn't been a very fun episode I guess it's because I I had recorded an episode way back in the early days of the podcast and I never released it and it was a story about how my husband and I, you know, made it through like this really <laughs> terrible situation that we were in. Long story short, we had to leave a hotel room at 5 a.m. because the people upstairs were ha having a party all night. And then the ceiling of our bathroom started to leak. And... I was just like, I don't, I'm not getting involved with whatever the hell is leaking out of on top of our bathroom because it's their bathroom on top of our bathroom. I don't want to know. So we like, we're like, Hey, we had already complained about the noise, but it was then leaking. And we're like, um, so yeah, this is happening. Clearly we are leaving right now, but we need another room, you know, they were all booked up for the night. So we had to just flee into the night <laughs> at 5am. And, you know, we were just kind of like, what, you know, what can we do? Anyway, we were like, okay, well, let's, let's watch the, watch the sunrise. And so we went to the waterfront 
and they had a sculpture park at the waterfront. So we just like walked around there. It was frigidly cold, but we had a good time when we left and we, you know, just walked together holding hands and, you know, looked at these sculptures in the, in the golden, golden hour. And, you know, it was fun despite, despite everything. And eventually we got a new room. It was a way better room. We had no one upstairs above us, had a balcony. It was just, it was way better. And I'm glad we got a new, better room. Anyway, long story short, my husband sends me a, uh, a research article and it was titled the role of adult playfulness in romantic life. And basically talks about how, you know, how strong, how much stronger relationships are when, you know, you, you make sure to laugh and be silly and playful and have fun in relationship. And yeah, like later on in that, at that trip, I remember we had like a really good time at a deserted playground. <laughs> I think both my husband and I do try to laugh a lot. We laugh a lot. And, and we just, we're just kind of honestly ourselves, like, even though we're just like ridiculous, ridiculous people, <laughs> you know, and like, we don't have to pretend that we're, we're cool. We have to pretend that we're sexy and yeah, we just have fun. And, you know, I think that obviously there are practical things that we need to focus on to build a life together, but we should never underestimate the power of fun and laughter and being able to be silly and act the fool in a relationship because you know it it can relieve like the stress of everyday life because everyday life can be really draining and you know if you're not having fun in your relationship it it definitely takes a toll so there's no ideal relationship but we're all flawed human beings here and we have to understand that there is no perfect mate because it's also flawed human beings well, I guess like that's another thing I kind of forgot to kind of forgot to say is that women often have this idea that like, especially women, I'm sure men can do it too. Women often think that like their partner is supposed to intuitive, intuitively predict what they need or want. You know, you're just setting your both, both of you up for failure, you know, because communication really is one of the foundations of a relationship, a lasting relationship. Every year there's approximately 876,000 divorces in the United States. And you know, the reasons that people state for marriages ending. So the five main reasons that marriages fail are basically the idea that people grow apart over time. And I really do think that, I mean, you know, people have to like show up all the time and communicate and you know I think that realizing that we're all flawed humans helps and and I do really think that like having fun together keep people from growing apart you know 
The other reasons are mental health issues, uh, alcohol and substance abuse, which, you know, I'm going to toot the horn that says that we as a society are very unhappy because, I mean, there's, there's multiple reasons. But I think one of them is that we're just expected to just the idea of being an adult, you know, it's about being serious and just working and providing and you're not supposed to have fun and be passionate and laugh and be silly and forget about your dreams and just fit into this this square square hole even though you're a round peg and or I guess usually it's the other way around in the term and so I think that you know mental health issues and alcohol and substance abuse it's it's the same reason there's the same thing then there's financial issues which once again I mentioned this earlier if we stopped like pretend like pretending that it like was a bad thing to talk about practical things and financial things early on in a relationship that it's not less being unromantic and unsexy and you know like how dare you bring this gray topic into my technicolor idea of a romantic of this romantic relationship you know then that wouldn't be quite as much of an issue but it's like this idea that we don't start talking about these things until it's like potentially too late, you know, and obviously not having enough money can cause stress for a person, period. I, um, you know, I grew up in a poor family and so there's always stress around money and not having enough and not being able to provide, being on food stamps, things like that. So, but there, you know... It doesn't mean that like there's not ways to work through those hard times together, right? You know, obviously I'm not a marriage therapist, so not really giving you any real advice on how to do that because I'm not an expert. But I think it once again comes down to the same issues that I've already talked about. And the fifth reason that people marriages fail is adultery. And obviously not all adultery is because of the feeling that you are not um, appreciated by your partner, but a lot of it is. And, and I think <laughs> probably that's the number one uh, one where it's like, because we have this idea of romantic love in our society that, oh, because he's not buying me roses, a room full of roses. He must not love me, right? If he's not writing you love songs and poetry, he must not love you, right? But, and so that, you know, it makes people pull away from each other and then they seek out someone that does make them feel appreciated. I definitely want to address one other aspect of love before, you know, romance and movies before you know the end of the episode um you know sex is definitely expected to be you know perfect 
you know, romantic relationship, right? Where it's all supposed to be, you know, the best sex of your life if you're with the love of your life, right? And sex definitely varies throughout relationships and, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and, you know, people aren't like, can't like, it's hard for people to be constantly like passionate and excited and like super into things when their lives are, you know, not necessarily happy. Like there's health reasons for people not to uh, have high libidos and there's, you know, stress and, you know, other mental health reasons that people aren't like pursuing sex in marriages, you know, especially after several years, you know. So it's definitely, you know, un unrealistic expectations that throughout your whole marriage that the sex will be, you know, great and plentiful. But, you know, just like with all of these other issues that often arise after, you know, longer periods of time, you know, understanding that it's, you know, you don't have to always seek the ideal, but also that communication is obviously a very important part of a lasting relationship. So, you know, we, there's, there can be hope to get sex back if, you find that that's an issue and that you want, you know, you both want to be intimate more kind of thing, but you know, it's just the effort needs to be put in. And I mean, you constantly have to be putting effort in to all the aspects of our relationships. So just because it's not passionate and and easy, effortless doesn't make it you know, not true. Right. All right. I didn't want to close out without, I mean, you know, there's so many good quotes about love, obviously, but, uh, this one, even though it's not like, it's not like something of like Naruto or something like that, which I'm just like, Oh, so swoony about, but it's just feels very true to me (laughs) and my relationship. And it's from True Love by Robert Fulgum. And it says, um, we're all a little weird. And life is a little weird. And when we find someone whose weirdness is compatible with ours, we join up with them and fall into mutually satisfying weirdness and call it true love. That just feels very true for this podcast. We just, you know, just embrace, embrace your weirdness, your partner's weirdness. You're meant to be if your weirdness is compatible. Woo! I love it. It's so, it feels so true. (laughs) All right. If you have enjoyed this episode or other episodes, please subscribe, rate, and review. Take care of yourself. Bye.